All right, so, hello. Uh, as you saw in your bulletin, my name is Tom Fagan. I'm a recent graduate of Gordon-Conwell. I got my Master in Divinity this past May. Um, and I've been here uh, working with this community since about February. I've been working with Javi. This is actually my second time here. Back in 2011, I was uh, also an intern, but under Brian Long that time. And uh, I enjoyed it so much that I came back. Uh, this is a community I, I love being with and I, I love serving. Um, just a quick note before we get started. As I uh, read scripture, my Bible is the English Standard Version, and all of you probably have the New International Version. Both good. Uh, but the New International Version translates the word for listen as listen, while the ESV translates it as hear. So you're going to notice that as I reference scripture. Um, with all of that out of the way, I thought I'd break the ice a little bit by telling a semi-embarrassing story from when I was uh, growing up. Uh, so my parents actually live in Connecticut, and that's where I grew up, and they live in the middle of this big state forest. It's like 500 acres, and it's beautiful there. There's trees and brooks and creeks of wildlife, and there's a waterfall back there. Uh, just so much room to grow and be nurtured outdoors, and it's wonderful. So naturally, I spent a lot of time inside. <laughs> <laughs> My parents were always trying to get me engaged in activities outdoors, and one of the ones that I really enjoyed was archery. And my father taught me all about it. He taught me how to take care of a bow, string it, the proper safety stuff, uh, how to aim, the right stance, all of that. The thing is, I was terrible at it. And I mean, I'll never forget the first time I shot an arrow missing the target and it lodging in the side of our house. And then just seeing this little twinge of fear in my father's eyes, and maybe a little bit of regret too. But he persisted, and I continued to learn. His most consistent instruction to me was, Tommy, you got to keep your right eye open when you aim. And I would say, Dad, that's what I'm doing. And then I would shoot another arrow, and I'd miss the target. And he would say, no, Tommy, you got to keep your right eye open when you aim. And I would say, Dad, I'm doing that. And then I would shoot another arrow and miss. Here's the secret. I wasn't. <laughs> my left eye was open the whole time, and my right eye was closed. <laughs> but I had heard him say it so many times that I got frustrated and I stopped listening. This kind of interaction isn't as uncommon as we might think. As we age, we believe ourselves to be really good at hearing instruction, internalizing it, and then producing results. That's the foundation of the American workforce, right? We hear instruction, produce results. But often we are, as James says, hearers alone, or listeners alone. You see, I heard my father's instructions, but I had heard it so many times that I actually thought I was doing it when I wasn't. When we read James, I think you'd be tempting to look at it as a rebuke, that James is writing to correct a wrong action or belief in his community. And that may be true, but I think it's also meant to encourage. James is writing to strengthen a resolve for the Lord. In verse 19, he begins with this, Know this, my beloved brothers, 
Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of the man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That's heavy material. But it's not our focus this morning. And I don't think it was James's focus either. I think James is saying this as a qualifier for the truth he was about to convey. He's saying, don't receive this with anger, but receive it with meekness and let it amplify the truth that's already in you. And he's saying, be quick to hear, be quick to listen, because it all begins with hearing. Now, James quickly transitions into talking about hearing and doing. Now, hearing and doing are different. Now, that's not something I need to convince you of. But what we're going to talk about is why that difference is so important. In verse 22, James says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That's a pretty simple message. Hear the word, and use it to serve others. It's Sunday school. Easy, we've heard that forever. It's this part about deceiving ourselves that might cause us to stop, though. Because what is that? James says just a couple sentences earlier to be quick to hear. And now if we're hearers alone, we're deceiving ourselves. Pick a lane, James. Thank you. <laughs> so what does that mean? Well, I think there's two things that James is trying to convey. Two ways that he wants us to understand that we can be deceiving ourselves if we're only hearing. The first is that in being hearers alone, we deceive ourselves into believing that a passive profession of faith is enough for a Christian life. Listening to and agreeing with what Jesus said does not make us Christian. But we see this all the time today. People talk of Jesus as a great teacher who taught great moral lessons. He was a good man with good things to say, but he was just a historical figure. People ascribe to his teaching without ascribing to his being. Every day we encounter people who follow Jesus' teachings to some degree, but don't believe he is who he said he was. In being hearers alone, we deceive ourselves into believing that a passive profession of faith is enough for a Christian life. The second way we deceive ourselves by being hearers alone is that we believe that a passive profession of faith makes us like Christ. Believing in Christ doesn't make us like Christ. Knowing what Jesus said doesn't make us like him. But believing that it will will cause us to be stagnant and passive in our faith. James is saying we cannot simply know what Jesus said. We cannot simply agree with what he did and claim we are like him. James wants us to be hearers and doers of the word. With that background, we can begin to understand the next couple verses. 23 uh, and 24 say this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away 
and at once forgets what he was like. Now, mirrors today are very different than they were in the first century. In the first century, mirrors were really just polished metal. And the metal quality was really poor, and so there was often blemishes where the metal was concave, or it had dents. And so when you looked in the mirror, you didn't see an accurate reflection of what you truly looked like. Have any of you been in like a department store in the changing room trying on clothes and they've got that section where there's like nine mirrors coming around you and you could see yourself? I hate that. <laughs> I think it's impossible to feel good about yourself standing in front of one of those. Because at any moment you're going to catch out of the corner of your eye, it's, oh no. <laughs> I did not know the side of my face looked like that. <laughs> or it's, uh, my posture is horrible. <laughs> but really, they're great because they let you see what you look like in the clothes you're trying on. You can't, nothing's hidden anymore. You get to see your real self. Now, James talks about this idea of our natural face, the face of our origin. What he's really trying to get at here is what did we look like before Christ? Before Jesus came and died for our sins, who were you? Who was I before he entered our life? We were sinners in need of grace. Now, someone in the first century would have understood this message automatically because they knew that looking in the mirror, they saw a broken image. But we look in mirrors and we, th we think we're seeing a pretty good reflection. But when, in being hearers alone, we will look at a reflection and then walk away as if we never saw that we were sinners. That goes away in the Greek is phenomenal because it inherently means a physical departure and a mental abandoning. James is calling us to remember that we are sinners in need of a savior and that never stops being true. There's a danger in being here as alone, and I think we're more apt to fall into it than we treat it. We look at ourselves, and we think that we're good. And we are good. Many of us know plenty of different skills, and we have different knowledge. So it's about business or politics, law, medical science, parenting, I'm anything, the list goes on. We know things and we feel good about it. And people tell us we're good. Our friends and family, our spouses, our small groups, our coworkers, people tell us we're good. And we are good by our own standard. And this is where the danger lies. Because having our knowledge, having our faith, and being good by our own standard won't make us like Christ. Having our knowledge and having our faith is like having a seed. And you can take that seed and put it in your hand and hold it up and say, I have this seed. And people will come by and look at it and say, that's a really great seed you have. <laughs> but if all we're doing is holding it up here, and it's not going to grow. It's not going to do anything. But you see where I'm going with this, right? Because if we plant it and nurture it and water it, then it will grow and it will bloom. 
Back when I was still living with my parents, uh, one spring I decided I wanted to build a garden in our backyard. So I staked out a six by four plot, and I dug three feet down, and I took out just tons of huge rocks. And then I went and bought dirt, which is horrible. Buying dirt is not a fun time. Uh, it's hard to justify spending money on dirt. <laughs> but I did, because it's important for gardening because I learned all about the pH levels and how you have to have the soil at different uh, chemical whatever. I learned a lot. <laughs> and I also built underground these borders so that moles couldn't get in and get into the vegetables. And I built a fence around it because I didn't want all the deer coming in to eat it. And I worked so hard on this garden and I learned so much that by the time I was done, I was too tired to plant anything. I was sick of it. I, I planted nothing. But the thing is, if you were to go to my parents' house today, and you're going to have to take my word for it, if you were to go to my parents' house today and try to find where that garden was, you wouldn't be able to. Because it's just grass now. That garden that I worked so hard on never yielded anything. No flowers. No vegetables, no fruit, nothing. But I still have the seeds I want. If we could take a minute to be honest, and I don't need you to be honest with me, you just met me, but to be honest with ourselves, and if we put ourselves in that changing room with all the mirrors, with nothing to hide because there's nowhere to hide it, and if we look at our natural face, if we have the courage to be honest, lying to ourselves in this moment is the easiest thing we could do, but if we have the courage to be honest with ourselves and look at the face of our origin, I think many of us would find that we're still holding on to our seeds. And those seeds aren't good for anything except planting. And the garden's already been built. That's what this is. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection built that garden. And we've got the seeds. Amen. <laughs> the thing is, our faith is good for a lot of things, but it only becomes useful when we use it. And if we're not using it, then when we go to use it, or when our faith is tested, or when we all eventually come before our Father in Heaven and go to find it, we may just find that it's not there. And I think this is where James wants to bring the contrast into our minds. We can be believers who hear and do nothing. Or we can be believers who hear and do. We must be believers who hear and do. We must not deceive ourselves into thinking that hearing and doing are the same thing. We look in the mirror and see Christian, parent, spouse, son, daughter, whatever, without seeing sinful, broken, in need of a savior. Sometimes we hear the word and we do nothing. Sometimes we hear the word and we don't know what to do with it. So what does it mean to be a doer? 
What does it look like to be someone who hears and acts? Verse 25, James says this, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. A doer is simply someone who looks at the perfect law, sees their sin, perseveres through it by the grace of God, and acts on it. And what is the perfect law? Well, it's Jesus as the fulfillment of the law. And Jesus said we need to be hearers and doers too. And so what does being a doer look like? Verses 26 and 27 say this. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. But religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James says right there, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And I think that's a good place to start. But what James is getting at is deeper. James, like Jesus, who said, as you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me in Matthew 25. And Isaiah, who writes, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. James, like Jesus in Isaiah, is appealing to us to ask, where is their need? Where does our faith, given by God, refined in the community of the church, fit best? How can we exercise our faith? Who can we help in the name of God? And when we ask that, we must be ready for the answer. We must be ready to hear, go, and do, and listen. And when we go to people, be it the poor, the hungry, the naked, the orphan, the widow, the disenfranchised, the one in tears, we have to have heard their need. Remember, we have to listen first. We hear first. And then we can exercise our faith and glorify God in what we do. But when we do, we must consider what face the people are seeing. Is it the face of someone who's deceiving themselves? Or is it the reflection of Christ? Do we all face the danger of being hearers alone? Absolutely. That's what makes these truths so necessary. But rather than come up here and tell you all to act and live out your faith, I want to say this. Don't let yourself become deceived into believing you're doing when you're only hearing. James writes that we will be blessed in our doing, but the opposite is also true, that we will not be blessed in hearing alone. Hearing the word, studying the word, lets us know God. It brings us closer to God. But doing the word makes us like Christ. Will we always remember this? Will we always succeed at this? Of course not. But that's why grace exists. 
and the grace bestowed on us by the life, death, and resurrection of Christ is because we will consistently forget, because we will consistently neglect to do the word of God. But we must remember that because of Christ, we have been enabled to do God's work on earth. We are sinners in need of grace. And we have been enabled to persevere through that sin by the grace of God to do his work in his kingdom. We must be hearers and doers of the word. Not someone who looks in a mirror and forgets what they see, but a people who are willing to see themselves for who they really are. Sinners saved by grace and live lives that reflect Christ. This is my prayer for our community and for the future of Christianity, that we will become known as a people who hear and do. Amen.